0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. That's me. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guest. Another devastating loss. Feels like home. Yeah, uh. we're, 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 we're back in it, back, <laughs> back in the throngs of it. warm, happy place. Oh, man, I just feel comfortable. Just it's the good. way to start the <laughs> week in total despair. So we, we called Grandpa, and uh, we wanted to hear what he thought about this awful, classic Cleveland Browns loss, and he was a little preoccupied at the time.
1: Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. How are you?
2: Oh, Matthew, listen, we're not too good. We're almost uh, going into Cambridge. It's we're dying here. It's so damn dark and we're lost. So you're lost. Yeah.
1: Can can
2: I help you? Well, huh? Uh,
1: can I help you find your way? Where are you?
2: Well, I will tell you, we were. You you said. Okay. Well, we were on the Bay Bridge. The, bay, the, the uh, tunnel bridge going across the Chesapeake Bay were under five hours. There was a goddamn truck got directed in the tunnel. Oh, and, no. I forgot. Uh, you're, grew-
1: you're driving up to New York right now, aren't you? Hi. Huh? Are you up in New York? Where are you?
2: In Maryland.
1: In Maryland. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, we've been going around. We got uh, screwed around in... Uh, uh, where the hell that was this? Uh, Salisbury and everything. It's a long story. But uh, uh, as far as I watched some of the Browns game, but, uh, I, can't, I can't believe that they could be ahead 14 points and piss the game away. Uh, Mayfield played a good. Mayfield played a good game. The receivers couldn't catch a goddamn thing, and the defense went to sleep in the last quarter.
0: Yeah, that's a fair assessment. That's that's
1: a fair assessment. So, I mean, obviously that game was super disappointing. What, what did you think when um, there were the two calls by the refs, where they they, um, yeah, they whistled that fumble early, but then also they re- overturned that first down that we had at the end of the game.
2: Yeah, there there was some bad ones. There was some awfully old holding penalties, and and, and, a, and a hit out of bounds with three guys. I think it was, uh, who was uh, I forget who that was. Who they didn't call it. They could, didn't call a damn thing on them. And uh, I was at, I had to go to a sports bar. Uh, I was over there in uh, uh, where? How were we? Uh, anyway, we were in Virginia. I was in Virginia and. Uh, had to go to sportswear to see some of the game because i I couldn't get it but uh,
0: gotta watch it any way you can huh have to watch any way you can
2: yeah i'm hard to hear you i the bad connection
0: yeah i don't know um so are you finding your way back to the to the
2: road grandpa yeah, well, we're we're on the right road, but we're just a long way. We got to get to uh, 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 Cambridge, Railroad. and we're we're still a half hour away from getting up there. I know
0: how much you, I know how much you love traveling, Grandpa.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you, that, that night there's a son of a bitch here. You, the road <laughs> signs aren't very good, and everything else, uh, and uh, we're all we're pissed off and every day and mad. So. We're not in a good mood.
1: Well, it's a perfect time to talk about the Browns. It's a perfect time to talk about the Browns. And the
2: Browns, at the Browns loss. <laughs> yes. So, Grandpa,
1: I'll, I'll I'll ask you this, and then we'll let you go. How do you feel? How do you feel about the future I'm, of the Browns I'm season? To
2: call, I'm gonna call you guys tomorrow. I can't I can't hear anything you're saying.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll let you go.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Really love you, Grandpa.
1: That's it.
0: <laughs> so so Grandpa is obviously a character He has always hated driving Like hated, <laughs> hated driving like a long distance anywhere Like he wouldn't go see his grandchildren be born Because he doesn't want to drive any sort of amount of distance And specifically driving at night is particularly laborious for him
3: Oh yeah, he would he, So he lived about three hours away from me when we lived in Florida Which isn't like Unreasonable. Actually, it was less than that. It was two and a half hours if you took the like direct route, but he refused to take the route through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> so it always took him three and a half hours when it would take me two and a half hours to take the correct route. Um, anyways, that's another thing. But he would c- drive up first thing in the morning. He was happy to leave at like 6 a.m. when like the sun was coming up, and he would stop and get breakfast on the road, get there mid-morning, and he'd be there through lunch, and then like after we finished lunch, he'd be like, "Okay, need to get going," and he would just <laughs> leave at like two o'clock <laughs> because he wanted to get home before it was dark and leave like clearly a few more hours of buffer of light when just he in, got just home, just in
0: case. Yeah, just in, just ca- in case. What, what if he gets stuck in traffic? What if he gets redirected and can't get across the bridge? Who which knows? is
1: which is funny. And don't get me wrong; I'm sympathetic to. I don't know what it's like to get old and eyesight issues. But it's also funny because he doesn't fly. So he doesn't fly and he doesn't drive in the dark, (laughs) which functionally means that you just don't go anywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for my entire life. Like I I remember grandpa like just didn't he didn't go places because he refused to drive them. And now with this new love interest of his, Nancy He has gained all sorts of courage that he didn't have before. Nancy's been great for him.
3: Yeah, the fact that he's driving from Florida to to the Northeast is unbelievable (laughs) to me.
0: It also shows you how much he hates flying. Like, could you imagine (laughs) a thirty-hour drive? Could you imagine making that decision just because you hated flying so much?
3: The great news for all of our (laughs) listeners: Um, we'll stop talking about how ridiculous Grandpa is. You're gonna get to hear a lot more of him next week. He's gonna be a feature on the podcast because he's he's, in studio. He's making the round trip from up in New York back down to Tennessee, and he's gonna be here in person to watch the game with us, and we'll record with Grandpa next week.
0: Honestly, Mark should have Mark's not
1: gonna be here. Let's just record
0: the podcast without Mark. Grandpa will be the co-host. Sure, for sure. Have him host the whole thing and (laughs) have him like Miked up while he's watching the game because there's Ooh. going to be some juicy bits. Ooh.
3: If there's a way for us to do that without him really knowing, that'll be ideal.
0: That that is the problem with Grandpa is well, there's one time where I we guess. had him. We had yeah, just swing the boom <laughs> mic around. <laughs> Grandpa, this is your seat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just recording <him>. That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> well, there was one time you remember where we recorded with him, and as soon as there was a microphone in front of his face, he all of a sudden felt like he had he, he, he got, had to like say face. Like,
1: This, like, stage presence to him that just wasn't nearly as good as genuine grandpa.
0: Our genuine, raw, unadulterated grandpa. That's what we're looking for. If you have any shaving needs, um, be sure to use Barbasol shaving cream. Um, Our podcast is brought to you by Barbasol. Um, You can join the Barbasol Shave Club today. If you go to Barbasol.com and use discount code BROWNS, you can receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. Once again, that's Barbasol.com. Discount code Browns. You can get $2 off your shave kit order. Um Barbasol, it's a brand trusted by men for nearly a hundred years to deliver a close and comfortable shave. Uh, let's talk about this game as painful as it is, as much as I would much rather talk about grandpa during this entire podcast. Um this game was heartbreaking, heart wrenching. Um there's a lot of positives too, and we'll talk about both of those things. Um, Michael, what do you think contributed most to the loss that we experienced this week?
3: I don't know that I would have said this immediately after watching the game, but after rewatching it today, um, I'm blaming this loss on Greg Williams. We gave up. That's w- fair. We gave up way too many yards. Like you can't give up. Like. You just can't do that. The offense did after- enough to win this game, and the defense really crapped the bed.
1: The, the defense got put in tough positions at times yes. with the turnovers. Yes. Absolutely. But when they weren't put in a tough position, we gave up a ton of yards. After that terrible reversal of Carlos Hyde's first down, where we punted the ball away, after that, we gave up 166 yards on three drives. Yeah. If, if we stop them on any of those drives, shorter, we either win the game or have a much better chance of winning the game and we just didn't do it.
3: I really had the impression that John Gruden completely schooled Greg Williams in this game. And I, I think this for a number of reasons. There, John Gruden clearly was playing the matchup game and putting Derek Carr in position to like to execute and to take advantage of the bad matchups. When we, had, when we would drop into zone coverage and drop our defensive linemen, they scored on all of those touchdowns whenever Greg Williams did his stupid little thing that makes zero well, it's sense.
1: A, it's such a waste of, like, it, it's not effective. You're dropping Ogunjobi into a, into a zone. He's not going to be good there, and you're not using him rushing, and people are going to let their, their guy go because they're entering into Joby's zone, and suddenly now they're open. If, if you if you do, know, if like you do he, it, he doesn't
0: know what he's doing. If you do it as a one-off, where like maybe you'll get an interception out of it because the quarterback's not going to expect it at all. But when you do it consistently, it's not going to be as. But effective it's also as
1: useless when you're only rushing three. I get it if it's like a zone blitz and you're sending five and guys, you're sending guys from somewhere else and, and they don't
3: know where they're coming you're from. Pulling and, a guy off yeah. the
1: back end and like rotating him into the zone. But on what was that? Is it Jerry Cook touchdown? I think in the during the middle of the game. Uh, we rushed three. It was like they were eight yards away from the end zone. We rushed three. and dropped Oak and Joby into his zone. It's like and you're, he's just you're just a asking. sitting
3: duck. He's just doing nothing. You're
1: just giving it to them. Yeah,
3: he's that a complete. It's like it's like playing eleven on ten. Yeah, I mean it really is. Yeah. it's unbelievable. Providing no pressure. Like it just it was rough. So another reason why it is clear that John Gruden was schooling Greg Williams on the day we I didn't see any passes go towards Denzel Ward the entire game. Like he's our best secondary player. They shifted all of these passes and all of these like Derek Carr plays that when I watched it the first time I was like holy crap, Derek Carr just made like a fantastic touch pass in all these spots. But he also knew where to throw the ball in all those spots cuz he was put in the right position and he's throwing balls and lofting it, yes, with pressure coming in his face, but it's like a receiver on a linebacker. And like those are obvious spots to go to. Like throwing it up to Jordy Nelson when Jannard Avery is guarding him is kind of an or Joe Schobert or whoever it is is guarding him is kind of a no brainer. So I just saw it over and over and over again on those like key plays that the Raiders converted is they were exploiting like matchups and Greg just kind of the Raider didn't the way it.
1: that the Raiders in Derek Carr specifically operate is a really tough matchup for Greg Williams because I don't think Greg really knows what to do. Cause Derek Carr gets the bot so quick. I think he leads the league. He did. Yeah he, he does. He leads the league in like from snap to pass the mm-hmm. the time there. There's not enough even if you're blitzing, there's not enough time to get there. Like unless you're legitimately just like coming up the middle unobstructed. And so what do you do in that situation when your blitzes aren't coming home? And you I don't know don't if Greg blitz. Williams knows what to do. Like, why why don't we
3: just play more man? Why don't you just, like, rush your four guys, play man, instead <laughs> of leaving the zone wide freaking open all day long, and he scored a million touchdowns <laughs> in the middle of the field because <laughs> we had this weak zone? How hard is that?
0: Michael, but Greg Williams Michael. doesn't know how to do that. When Michael gets so excited, his voice gets so high. I'm just so get... angry. <laughs> it's so high.
1: Gosh.
0: It's <laughs> the so highest voice. No, We oh. absolutely should have. Yes. We you're absolutely should have. But you know. And the what? Terrence Mitchell injury it hurt us. The Terrence Mitchell injury hurt us a lot. But and you, we looked you completely saw, different.
1: Y- you saw portions where we did play man and we got schooled. I, it was late in the game, I think it was a third down. And Amari Cooper did a double move. I think it was T.J. Carey. And it was, oh, man. He just got smoked.
3: E.J. Gaines looked better than T.J. Carey, if you're looking at the two of them as, like, players in that game. E.J. Gaines um, had the interception, which was one really good play. He also made a handful of tackles, like, near the line of scrimmage that were really solid.
0: God, T.J. Carey looks so bad.
3: If T.J. Carey's not playing in the slot, he basically shouldn't be on the field.
0: T.J. Carey, fun fact. Did lead our team with tackles.
3: Seven tackles. miles had a lot of tackles in the game. He had, I think, nine tackles for a defensive end. That's that's or 12.
1: That's, a, that's a solid game. Yeah. Uh, why, why is he so bad on the outside? The, TG, sl- the slot is supposed to be more difficult to play because you've got open field on both sides of you, you don't have the sideline helping. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me why you'd be so awful on the
0: outside. I don't have an answer for you. But someone in our secondary who did look really great all day was Demarius Randall. To have a free safety that could get, Michael, you were saying during the game, get all the way over there and get that interception. Um, oh. One of those interceptions that he
3: The only thing about Demarius Randall is he was one-on-one with, um, was it, I think it was Jared Cook on the game tying touchdown and he got beat. That was a little disappointing. He looked he
1: looked upset though as if one of his teammates let him down or he misread the coverage or or something like that. Uh, uh,
3: that would be the only like the only negative mark in my book yeah. on Demarius Randall's day. And no, he no, was and close. I agree. I, he don't, was, I
1: don't know exactly what the coverage was there cuz He didn't just get beat in straight coverage. He was looking at something else. He was thinking there was other help. I'm not sure, and it may have been his fault.
3: And then the two-point conversion was just so frustrating. Just
1: What a What a a freaking 1998 NFL play. Freaking John Gruden, man.
3: The whole thing was so frustrating.
1: Especially because that hit Jordy Nelson's face mask. He didn't even catch it clean. It hit his freaking face mask, and he caught it like on the back of his freaking hands.
3: And T.J. Carey was there too. Like I didn't understand how it wasn't a clean catch, and it still was completed. It was so frustrating. All right, question: As this game was coming down, did it have any bit of a different feel to you? Like normally, when a game like this, you the Browns have a lead, they squander it. I am like panicking and like an absolute nervous wreck, and just like, of course, this is happening. We're the Cleveland Browns. This is the worst thing in the world. You mm-hmm. were
1: you were again panicking. Like, I was. I. <laughs> I, I <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. I was. And then and then our our lovely mother handed you your your newborn
0: child to call <laughs> me, to call me <laughs> sure. When when was that? Was that after the uh, overturned Carlos? Yeah, it was Carlos overtime. It was, it was yeah. right
3: around overtime. <laughs> but I will say, I felt more confident that we had a chance to like win the game than I have in quite well, a long time.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, when was the last time we scored 42 points in a game?
3: Yeah, I mean and, like, that,
0: and that's what I it, would say. This didn't feel like normal because when's the last time the Browns scored
1: 42 points?
0: Yeah. I mean, like it's not normal. It's not normal. Baker has injected an extreme amount of life into this offense. Our offense has been dead this entire year, and our defense has been carrying it. Everything, of course, it's classic. Of
1: everything course- went wrong for us in this game. The pick, uh. the pick six... No, 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 no. Get this. The pick six... We have those turnovers in the, the pick
0: six, worst spot. And the pick six was Antonio Cal. It was a drop. No, it, it was, was a drop. He, he slipped out of his that break. That wasn't Baker's fault.
1: He slipped out of his break. The the ball was in a fine position.
3: Can we reserve a segment in this podcast for, for how Cal- terrible yeah. Antonio yeah. Yes, Cal yeah, yeah. was? Absolutely. that's coming. That's okay. to come.
0: Got it written but down.
1: But everything went, went against us in this game. Mm-hmm. And yet we were still there. We fought back every time something bad happened we responded and we were able to get back on top until the very end.
0: Like right after whenever we uh Jannard Avery had the strip sack of Derek Carr and they called forward progress on that. Yeah. If we're gonna talk about the rest and how bad how bad we got screwed, that was how we literally, had a scoop and score called back. Larry, I feel so bad for Larry Ogunjobi. Poor, he's a big, he's a big fatty. That was a big fatty his, his got his hands chance on the ball for
1: a career touchdown. And he was yep.
0: coming up on a
3: like a nasty like stiff arm situation at the ten yard line with an offensive player. It oh would have been goodness. so much fun. It was yeah, Larry, Jaylen
0: Rashard. Larry oh. was about to get after it and get into that end zone, and it all got robbed from him. But it got called forward progress, and literally Jarnard Avery's first contact. Is what knocked the ball out, and it's so infuriating. Did that you see
3: Kirk Herbstreit? Um, yeah, I saw the tweet. Oh,
0: he's pissed.
3: Yeah, he's watching the game and like is just completely baffled. And we're Browns fans. We're like, "Yep, happens to us all the time." Can you? How? How do you call that forward progress is stopped? Like, you would have to know that the ball came out after he was
1: held up. I, I think it makes that, no sense. Did he just not so, see the ball come out? I, I like, don't think anybody's that the ref who blew the whistle. I don't think he saw the ball come out and he's so worried about like protecting the quarterbacks and like blowing the whistle when they're in the grass so that like nothing bad extra happens, to happens. Them. And it's, I get that. I understand that, but like, come on. And what, what kills me is it was a clear recovery. So if, there was any option for it to be reviewed, like we at least could have gotten the ball where we picked it up.
0: Yeah.
3: The good news is, and I said this even when it happened, we did get the ball back after that.
0: They and had the punt. they, they punted the
3: ball, and three plays later, we had a long Nick Chubb touchdown. No, no and thanks so it, to
1: our special teams, but. Yes, correct. No, no thanks, thanks to our special teams. Here's,
3: actually, actually, that was the punt where Jabril Peppers got completely killed. It was the best field position we had because they had a penalty.
1: Thanks to our special teams. (laughs) Yeah,
3: because Jabril Peppers got absolutely annihilated and interfered with on the fair game. But this is Mark's point,
0: is that they responded. Yeah, and they did did respond, and that was fantastic. We bounced back. But for that specific point, have you ever seen a worse call in a Browns game than that one specifically? I have one in mind. Mark, I know which one you're going to talk about. And yes, no, that one's worse. (laughs) Do you remember last year against the Redskins when there was a fumble, clear fumble, and there was a big pile up and everyone was on the pile and Duke Johnson had the ball and was standing behind the ref with the ball and the ref was like <laughs> trying to get trying to get into the middle of the pile and see who had it, couldn't figure it out. Had no idea who had the ball. Just signaled that the Redskins had the ball and there's there's a still frame. Of the ref <laughs> pointing the Redskins way and Duke Johnson standing directly behind her and saying, like, I have the ball right here And it was a clear fumble. That is the only that is the only call that I can remember the refs doing that's worse than that. That it screwed the Browns worse than that. Luckily well, we bounced back and we didn't. We didn't completely let it overtake us, and that's one of the things that's different about this team now. Well,
3: that's what I, I mean. I'm glad that that didn't become a defining piece of the game because it absolutely was a horrendous call. There's no excuses for it. The NFL. There's no way they can justify that, that call. There's tried, absolutely no way.
0: They tried. Did they try for that one? Yep. How did they oh, try for no? Oh, not no, for that one. No, I didn't.
3: No, I didn't they it for tried for the other yeah. one, which I think was just about as as egregious of a call. Oh, and I like, I couldn't sleep last night because I was thinking about it. Uh, I was
1: were, so you... upset. I was I was still with you about like four hours after the game, and you were still talking about it. I slept still like a baby so last bad. night.
0: Uh, so oh my um, goodness! No, so,
1: two one and one is a completely different story
0: than one two and one, and the refs completely took it away from us.
1: I was hoping for one one and two, to be honest.
0: No, I thought I I legitimately uh, thought that was going to happen. I'd be like, how Brett, like how unique? That's how the interesting. most Browns thing. In how the world. Browns would that be to have? Has there ever been two ties in the same season by the same team? No, it's never happened. No, I I remember them talking about it. In the telecasts. It was getting close. After we punted the ball away, I was like, there's a chance. You know what the most Browns
3: thing ever is? We would have been
0: 500. We would have still been 500 if we just had to tie that game.
3: You want to know what the most Browns thing ever is? What? It's to finally get the ball back in the fourth quarter with the lead, earn the ball back, run the ball three times, get a first down with the other team with all their timeouts depleted. And then have that first down taken away from you. I tell you what, So that then the other team has a chance to come back and
0: win the game. Yes, that is completely disappointing. And the refs completely – it would have been over. We would have just been able to get into victory formation. We would have won the game. And I am devastated by that call. So I went through the proper channels, and I called the NFL, and I filed (laughs) a formal complaint this morning about that call. And basically I called them and they were like, Hey, thank you for calling the NFL. Um, how how am I direct your call pretty much? (laughs) And I was like, I would like to file a complaint about the officiating (laughs) in the Raiders Cleveland game in Oakland yesterday. And she was like, okay, let me forward your call. And it was just a voicemail message.
3: (laughs) (laughs) and Some intern takes all these
0: like notes (laughs) and I'm sure they didn't listen to it at all. But basically I just said like, it's just ludicrous that it was called a first down on the field, and then they went back and overturned it when there clearly was not clear and indisputable evidence that it wasn't a first down, and yep. that it's just egregious. And to do that to a fan base with fans that still support the NFL—I pay for Game Pass. Um, we have kind of Sunday ticket. <laughs> I mean, we do. I
3: we encourage viewership. We encourage yeah.
0: Like our podcast that we, we
1: slave are, over. That's we, right. We should get a sponsorship, damn it. From the NFL. <laughs>
0: and oh, so man. I filed a formal complaint. I doubt that it'll ever be heard or ever be listened to, but... Good gotta, for you, Mark. You Mark, gotta, Mark, do you have that number? You've got to go through the proper <laughs> channels. Yes, I do have that number. I'll just open up my call history right now, um, <laughs> entering in my password. If you want to file a formal complaint against the NFL... For that call, I highly encourage you to do it. Be, be kind to the poor receptionist. Be kind, be courteous, but that number is 212-450-2000. Once again, that is 212-450-2000. <laughs> that is the NFL office to file a complaint. Um, if you are upset about the way that that game turned out, then uh, just go ahead and give that a call. So uh, legitimately, we were kind of talking about this during the game yesterday
3: the browns as an organization like what does that process look like when there's horrible calls like that like who raises a stink with uh, the nfl
1: i think it's jimmy i jimmy jimmy's not the type of person to sit back and just like take it you have to
0: my goodness I <sighs> would-
1: especially when you when you're the owner and you employ the commissioner like I I imagine like half of Roger Goodell's Mondays are taken up by just receiving calls from pissed off owners. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the most he just has to sit there. There's only 32 of them. He'd be like, "Yeah, that's fair." So you know
3: what? (laughs) You know what also annoys me about this game is that like my belief is that that was a huge part of the game and the narrative of the game. But you watch even extended highlights on NFL Network. And that play doesn't get shown. Which but play the, the Carlos Hyde. The Carlos Hyde overturned, like, first, overturned down. first down.
1: Oh, I heard it. I heard about it all day. They today. talked
3: about it, but they didn't actually show it. It was super frustrating. Like on Good Morning Football this morning, they like showed the highlight package. They didn't show any of that. And then when they got into the studio, that's all that they talked about. Was the play that they didn't have. Like it's very clear that they weren't supposed to show the like bad officiating.
1: Well, you just shouldn't watch the NFL network. You're just watching like the propaganda show. That's what it is.
0: I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's so what if up. I had a network, that's what I would do with it. <laughs> I wouldn't talk <laughs> about ask my bad Roger officiating. Ailes.
2: Um
0: yeah, no, that's super disappointing. But the, the, that's the thing about this game is I am devastated that we lost this game. It's it's terrible. But I'm not without hope because our offense scored 42 points, like we said. Because like, you think our receivers could, might catch some passes in future games? Eventually, they have to. It, it has to revert to the mean, right? It's a sample size issue, right, Good Matthew? freaking gracious.
3: <laughs> freaking Jarvis Landry couldn't catch passes in this game. He had three balls that I normally would have expected him to catch that he did not bring in.
0: Michael is on another level. I time. am
3: so angry that we lost this
1: game. We scored 42 freaking points, and we lost the football game yeah but you have to look at why we lost we lost because of a pick six we lost because we fumbled Two inside fumbles. our 10 yard line twice we lost because we fumbled a snap like inside the 25 like you cannot win when you give up damn near 21 points
0: well you on your offense you could if a play doesn't get overturned that is clearly a first down you could have won Correct. all
1: right and then after that happens we, we gave up 166 yards on three drives, and all we needed was one freaking stop. So, like, yes, you got screwed by the refs, but we freaking just, like, well, we did bottled this game on so many levels.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the, it is absolutely true that we had every opportunity to win this game. But the thing is is we also like definitely should have lost this game. I understand. I understand that we had every opportunity to win this game, even after the Carlos Hyde thing happened. But when the Carlos Hyde thing happened, we had a fit like we had won the game. And then it got overturned. And then we had to go out and win the game again. And granted, we should have done. We should have gone out and won the game again. But we'd already done it. And that's why it's so like infuriating. So like I understand the narrative, like we should have overcome that, and we absolutely should have. But it's infuriating to have to do it twice it, it's it's infuriating um
3: if david and joku drops another pass that goes right in his freaking hands at a key juncture in the game i might just turn off the tv immediately
0: you
1: won't i wait i <laughs> want seth devalve to come back i have was some. He, i i was, was ha- he oh. inactive this week i I don't think he was on
3: the inactive list but i don't know if he played that's a good question
0: because i didn't see him out there at all um i don't think he played i didn't see him out there um yeah he didn't he didn't play sunday um he was inactive
3: (sighs) you're right that would be very helpful I agree. That would be another weapon that we can use on offense that would, like, help spread things out in passing situations. Because, I mean, Seth you run Val- is,
1: can, like has good
0: hands. Yep. Like, he's limited in what he does as a tight end, but he's got good hands. But Seth Deval was, like, Deshaun Kaiser's like, box one. He was his, like, number one man um, for a rookie quarterback. Antonio Callaway, if we're talking about dropping passes, you mentioned Jarvis Landry, but you didn't explicitly. Three. Mention Antonio Callaway, Callaway dropped three. There not
1: was... not just like Michael's three passes that Jarvis Landry you expect to catch. Antonio Callaway had three drops. One was a screen in pass
3: in that was
0: perfectly thrown and perfectly blocked. And he just brought it into his bread basket. He just let it hit off his chest and he just had no chance.
3: Another one caused a pick six and that was partially the field's fault. That was super frustrating too. Because do you remember that Another thing I saw when I re this, do you remember that Marshawn Lynch late in the game, like screen pass? Like it was like a shovel pass that went for like yeah. 60 yards they did that to down left the left-hand side.
1: They would try to get outside of Garrett on that left side.
3: Well, that one went like for 60 yards. It was a huge play in the game near the end. And EJ Gaines lost his footing on that one spot of the field, and he would have stopped him 25 yards earlier or slowed him down, and it was just a stumble fest all day long. You
1: heard Baker out in the post-game press conference talk about the footing in that game and um, not saying, not making an excuse, but saying that they, they maybe weren't prepared for, for what they had to do to, to deal with those field conditions, given that it's, Playing football on a baseball field. What's
3: funny about that is, I even saw stuff before the game that Hugh Jackson was taking them out the day before to test out the field to figure out what cleats they should wear. Like, normally this would be where I start to blame Hugh, but I actually saw accounts that, like, he took measures to make sure the players were comfortable with the field and the conditions that they were going to be playing in. Yeah. But you're right, they were slipping all over the place, and Baker talked about the fact that it took them a while to get used to it. Man. Can we talk about Nick Chubb? Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to talk about Nick Chubb and Matthew Snot, that is, just dripping from his nose and now wiped on his jeans. What nice. is that? Hey,
0: hey, eighth sneeze on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I forgot to continue counting, but it's something like that.
3: Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb, those, those two runs like kept us in the game for one. But also, we're just a phenomenal showing of athletic ability.
0: It's incredible but how fast he is.
3: To break those tackles, get into the open field, and literally outrun those guys. That
1: safety that he made miss in the middle of the field. Made him look a fool. Before he broke it outside. Made oh him look God. a fool.
3: I just can't imagine being that good. And being able to do that many things in such, like, in succession.
1: Imagine In such how an effortless fashion. Imagine how bad Nick Chubb must be at pass protection to be that good. To only get at three touches <laughs> and still not get to see the field. My thing is like, I is that is that the, like is that
3: the th- point? Is that the point? Or can you imagine how bad coaches have to be to not give no, such I think, person? I
1: think Nick Chubb's that bad at pass protection because you saw what he did on that blocked punt. Like but that's last like your last week one or two weeks example.
3: Ago. That's one example. Yes, that was bad. But, like, he's also a rookie that's probably never played in,
0: like, punt pass protection before. But still, I don't think that you, if you're that athletic, that you can physically be inherently that bad at pass protection. You know, like, that's a coaching thing. You can learn to pass protect if you're that physically gifted. Like, there has to be a way that he learns how to do that. Um, And it has to be focused on.
3: Antonio Callaway, nine targets, three catches.
0: Baker likes throwing to him.
1: Man.
3: Because
0: he's
1: athletic. If they had connected on that deep ball that Baker overthrew, just just a hair. That one slant that he
3: ran for a mile was beautiful. Did did we ever get word on how he hurt himself? I haven't heard anything about it. I'm assuming it was just a cramp. But Who? Callaway. Callaway came up gimpy after that slant. Which normally he would have taken that to the house.
0: Man. All right. So, there, there, we have a legitimate running back situation though. I mean, we have um, Nick Chubb, who exploded this week. He had three carries, and he had 105 yards and two touchdowns. He had a 63-yard-long long run. And uh, finally, Duke Johnson got some touches. Um, they were mostly in receiving. Um but it was exciting to see him out there. We have three legitimate backs because Carlos Hyde's had a good year. He's had five touchdowns. How can we possibly I, – I have no problem with any of the three of these players. I have no problem with any of them. How can we possibly get these touches around? How can the coaches get creative to be able to use all three of these players in an effective way? Well,
3: I know the San Diego Chargers are running – Formations with both Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon on the field.
0: The the Bears do it with Tari Cohen, Cohen, and and Howard. The Broncos are doing it right now with Lindsey and Freeman and Freeman. Yeah. So just copy the shit that they're doing. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care if you have to copy someone else. But but
1: it but it helps that they. I don't know that Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb <coughs> have that different of a skill set, but it helps that Duke Johnson is such a contrast in skill set to what those other guys have. Um, so I, I definitely think you can do it. I mean, the fact is, they're probably three of our top five offensive s- skill players at this point I mean, with where the Browns are at. In Joku and Landry and then those guys. Yeah, and I mean, Callaway might be in there somewhere that interjects that when he's playing well, but if he's dropping the ball, he's basically useless. So you just have to find a way. You've got to – this comes down to Todd Haley. He's got to figure out a way to cater his play calling and his offense to the talent that he has on the field, which he's traditionally been able to do. So we'll see.
3: No, but that is super frustrating that uh, Duke Johnson is getting so few carries and Nick Chubb is making this big of a difference in the game with his three touches.
0: And they're not getting a chance to do anything more.
1: Imagine if he got eight touches. Yeah.
0: Well, our boy boy Pete Smith had a theory about this. Pete on Twitter said that we should be using Duke and Chubb at the beginning of the game to do these game-breaking plays, these things that Nick Chubb has shown that he's capable of doing, and then have Carlos Hyde to come in at the end of the game do the things that he's shown he's capable of doing, bruising and finishing out the game. And Which is p- true.
3: Like I trust Hyde in those tough runs, like over the middle to secure the ball and like get those extra couple yards. Like that play we're talking about. Like I didn't think he had any chance of getting to the line to gain, and he fought for those every single inch of those two
0: yards. and, although, then, and then he clearly, indisputably, did get the first down.
1: Although there's there's something great to be said about Hyde we- just pounding on a defense, wearing him out, and then Nick Chubb comes in and is just. Functioning on another speed because he's yeah. fresh and fresh. Oh, brand I think Chubb benefited from that. He can, no, I can think like offer something different. So I don't know that you're going to see the same Nick Chubb on the first play can of the first I quarter. Can I also
3: say that I wonder if there's something to the fact that Carlos Hyde wears number 34 and he gets in there and he's like rumbling and stumbling around. And he's running, and then they just kind of sneak Nick Chubb out there and he wears 24, and they're about the same body type, but Nick Chubb is so much more athletic. And they just think it's
1: Carlos Hyde, and then he just puts a move on him. And they're like, I wait, wonder, where did that come from? I wonder if that's why Nick Chubb <laughs> chose 24. Because he wore twenty seven in college. It confuses me
3: every time I see them out there. Like when Chubb gets the ball, I have the hardest time adjusting that it's actually him. It was a strategic move.
1: What if you found out that Paul D. Podesta made Nick (laughs) (laughs) Chubb number twenty (laughs) four?
0: That's what he's doing out there. That's what he's doing out there in California. Worth his million dollar salary or whatever (laughs) it is. He's he's He's
1: rearranging jersey numbers. He's like, he's like,
0: (laughs) hey John, what if you had them wear similar numbers? (laughs) that'll confuse the defense and you'll get more yards (laughs) from my numbers, from my calculations. That's what (laughs) that is one of the most curious things to me. What is Paul DePodesta doing is like, what is his role? Uh, No idea. So
3: on that Paul Brown podcast, the guy from the UK is, they pump out those podcasts and they ask really similar questions to all their guests, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And one of the questions they ask is who would in the Browns organization, would you like to go grab a pint with? Yeah. And, um, so Which everybody the has a different British thing. In yeah, the world. yeah. Yeah. And so they all have, you know, different answers or whatever, but Paul D Podesta absolutely is the answer to me because oh, yeah. like he might actually be like a snooze fest to like have a beer with, but I want answers. Like I, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to have all kinds
1: of information. There's no doubt about that. You yeah, know, I I could I could sit and have a beer with Paul. I mean, I think
3: I know what I'm going to get from Hugh from Hugh Jackson and John Dorsey. Like, I don't think I have yeah. to have a beer to understand that situation. Like, any Alonzo Highsmith,
1: Highsmith, Elliot Wolf, like a, those could I, be like mm, maybe, Highsmith but, could be good. Yeah, but I you you feel like they're a known quantity. Yeah, like like you you, you know what you're signing up for. There's a bit of excitement like with Deepa. They could go any number of directions
3: yeah him and if i had to pick like a third a third wheel for the for that evening i would probably pick like andrew barry
1: is he's he's still around right oh yeah yeah i haven't heard i haven't like even heard his name in um months
3: no he's definitely still around he was the face of our press conference in day three of uh nfl draft
1: good for andrew good mm-hmm. for pete smith loves himself some andrew barry
3: yeah, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see some Andrew Berry whenever we go to the um, Senior
1: Bowl. Senior this year? Bowl this year and the draft <laughs> this year. That's <laughs> true. Let's go. In we're we're gonna
0: have a big a big year. If you're year trying to Cinema if you're trying to come podcast. to the if you're trying to come to the draft, come let us know and we'll uh, we'll make you feel very welcome. You just hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> what what exactly are you you thinking there, Mark? We'll make you feel very welcome. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'll leave it up to the imagination. I'm not going to say anything concrete, but I'm going to say we'll make you feel welcome. One thing we haven't talked about today yet um, is Baker. He's the quarterback of this team. Um, and I, in my personal opinion, I think he had a really good day. There were some really unfortunate fumbles that I don't think were his fault. I think the um, mishandle at the, from the center snap um, I, I don't think he was expecting the ball at all. I don't know whether that was his fault or whether it wasn't his fault. And then a strip sack I don't necessarily think is his fault. But The
3: strip sack and the two fumbles, so the strip sack yeah. and the mishandled uh, snap, mm-hmm. those are the type of things I expect from a rookie quarterback that's been playing in the spread in college. Like, sure. Those are the type of things that we talked about last week. It's not all going to be rosy for Baker like going forward.
1: And, thi- yet, and yet, when both of them happened, they didn't happen how I expected. What do you mean? Like, like normally a strip sack, you you think, oh, he stands in the pocket too long. He is running around. It was gets Chris Hubbard just got owned. It's this. This was quick. It was a quick look to the left. He was like, and and then that that fumbled snap. It wasn't just oh, he went and like didn't handle the ball correctly. Like, nobody was set, like Treader snapped it. I don't I don't know whose fault it was, yeah. but it, it wasn't what you would expect. So in that situation.
3: The what did surprise me, based on the fact that Baker has you know, shown himself to be a good ball protector and seems to be pretty intelligent was I don't think he had enough awareness of the game situation at the end of regulation. We were at the 50-yard line, had 14 seconds left in the game. Part of this, I think, is also the play call. They sent everybody deep. He didn't have any options short. And to me, we had 14 seconds to gain about 10 to 15 yards to like attempt a field goal. And you send all four guys streaking down the field and... Baker just throws one up for grabs and it gets stolen.
1: But that's a situation where he needs to know that everybody's going deep and throw it away. Yeah,
3: just throw it away. Like, you don't throw one up for grabs and risk the interception. Live to play another down. You've got another down to get another 10 to 15 yards and you can still get a field goal and get out of there. So that was super frustrating to me. And that was just, that's one of those things. I think he's a rookie. He did it this time. Like, he's storing that one in the back of his brain. And you got to hope that next time. His situational awareness is better. And I I mean, but still super frustrating because I think we had a chance to pull this thing out. No before Baker we went to overtime.
1: Baker played great. Played well. I wouldn't say great. His receivers didn't help him. His us. receivers were awful. I mean, the first three passes were all drops. Oh. Which is ju- has just gotta be like demoralizing for a rookie quarterback. You're already probably nervous as hell. And your first three passes are drops. Um, I think he's exceeded expectations at this point, even though we're still dealing with kind of those rookie mistakes. But, I mean, just like his, his physical ability and the, the way he works through a progression. And he's so freaking Absolutely. accurate. He's got the his, arm
0: strength. It's ridiculous. The progressions is absurd. Um, the way he looks off linebackers, the way he looks off safeties is like nothing I ever expected from a rookie quarterback. How many
1: – I was thinking about this. and I was thinking about this as we're watching this um, Denver game. How many quarterbacks in the NFL would teams choose over Baker right now to win this season? Because if you offered the Broncos, all right, you can roll with Case Keenum or you can roll with Baker Mayfield for the rest of this season.
3: Well, I think Baker gives them a better chance.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, what, what are there, probably 12 quarterbacks that you would take over Baker?
3: No, Baker's playing. At this really point?
1: Low. For for and that's only for this season. That's not talking about going in the future. Yeah. Like
3: So one thing he deserves a great spot. One thing he deserves a lot of credit for too is his pocket presence and like with defenders in his face still keeping his head up and making plays. Do you remember that third down play? It was like a third and five, maybe? And a defender came right in his face, and he was in. He had Baker in his grasp, oh, and the, he the like went out to Njoku? and he
1: picked his head up and like got it out to Njoku, even though he was being like brought down. Well, well, he had to step up on that play. Like like they were coming around the edge, he had to step up in the pocket, and they they still got got around the corner to him. And he was able to whip it out to Najoku while he was like in the grass. It was
3: phenomenal. It was a third down play. I'm honestly shocked.
1: I'm honestly shocked the refs didn't blow it dead because, (laughs) (laughs) as we know, gotta gotta protect that quarterback. No, no, no. In the grass, he didn't get the ball out. He no, but
3: but that wasn't the only one. He had another one where he weasled out of it, and I think he might have thrown the ball away or something. He might not have completed that other pass. But there was a handful of really good
0: plays when there was pressure. Coming on him in the pocket. No, I'm. Ex-
1: I you I can't could, be. Anything. I couldn't be more excited.
0: Yeah, you can't be anything but ridiculously excited for the future at quarterback with Baker Mayfield. It's wildly well, not, exciting. So that's a, that's a huge positive, positive. and we want to talk about positives here on the podcast. Is Baker is absolutely showing the fact that he can be our franchise quarterback and will be for so far, as far as I've seen, a long time to come. And
3: Another way to look at that too is there was four rookie quarterbacks that started this week. And, like, none of them looked good except for Baker. And certainly he had his warts. Like, he threw some interceptions, had his fumbles and those sort of things. But, like, threw for 300 yards and, like, was putting the ball where it needed to be. Had the pocket presence and the awareness. Everybody else looked completely different the As a
0: quarterback, total package, he is clearly far and above all of them um let's move on let's go let's go to the lines um so every week we decide to pick the lines of the upcoming primetime games and we make it a giant competition um michael scrounges together the lines and all three of us pick them uh, michael's probably inevitably going to tell you that he's winning because he mentions it every week
3: well i had an early lead so it's just kind of holding on at this oh point.
0: the humility comes out Ooh. in this podcast okay interesting What do you know? Michael, tell us about the lines.
3: Got all my energy out earlier whenever I was just angry about the Browns losing this game. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I am winning. Mark's in second, and Matthew has a lot of ground to make up. Um, But I'm the only one that actually has a positive uh, record here. You're both below 500. Um, It it happens. The Browns didn't help us because we all picked the Browns um, when the Raiders were favored by 2.5, and and then that three-point win really screwed us. Yeah. Thursday night is Indy at New England, which is a big line. New England favored by 10 points. Um,
0: It's kind of bullcrap how a three-point win when you go into overtime if you picked the Browns. Like, when the game was over, they were even. Like, when the game was over, they were even. They ended up winning by three. part of the deal. That just sucks. Part of the
3: deal. Indy at New England, Patriots favored by 10. Matthew, what's your pick?
1: Patriots came out and rolled the Dolphins this week Mm, after not looking very good. Um, The Colts probably have the worst secondary in the league. The Pats are getting Julian Edelman back.
0: You can't have a worse secondary than the Bucs.
1: That's true. That's fair. I got to go Pats. They're going to figure out a way. I don't like the Colts defense. I don't even think they have the horses to run with them. Mark?
0: Um, so the Patriots have not looked good this entire year, and they looked good last week. They looked good against the Dolphins, who we all anticipated at the beginning of the year that um, they were going to be bad. So, um, and, and the Colts have shown flashes. Um, I just think 10 points is a lot of points. Um, and I'm going to go with the Colts.
1: Mark and
3: I are picking a lot of games similarly these, these days, it scares me a bit. Um, I agree. Andrew Luck's putting it together. I'm feeling like he's getting in the rhythm. New England's been super inconsistent. Their defense is not what it's been. I like the Colts' ability to hang with them in this game, and the 10-point line is
0: just significant enough um, I just to think, have me pick the Colts. Personally, I just think you're trying to buffer your distance between me and you with me being in second. <laughs> but
3: I wrote down – for the record, I wrote down Colts before either one of you Mm -hmm. picked. So, okay. Sure. Uh, Dallas at Houston Sunday night with Houston as the home team favored by three and a half points. I'll go ahead and pick it first since you're so concerned about me trying to, like, strategically pad my lead. Yep. Um, I am going to go with Houston. I think the upside for Houston – I don't know. It's really going to be whichever team shows up. I don't think either one of these teams is that good um houston's at home i like that in their favor and i just think their upside is so much higher than dallas right now dallas's offense just i don't i don't see it working their offensive line is decimated from what it was they don't have receivers (laughs) like it's just it's hard for me to see dallas really crushing it in any game and so I, i like houston for that reason
0: uh mark you go ahead and pick this one next um, yeah, that's, that's very fair. I was going to pick Houston too, um, but because I'm trying to gain up ground, I'm going to pick Dallas just straight up, <laughs> just straight up. I'm telling you that I actually think Houston's going to win, but I am picking Dallas. <laughs> I don't,
1: Houston probably has the worst offensive line in the league and Dallas with DeMarcus Lawrence and, in company coming off the edge. Like Deshaun Watson's going to have to look out. I, I. I would take the Dallas D line plus Zeke Elliott over Houston every day of the week, so I'm going to go with Dallas.
3: Alrighty, it's another one I get to get up on you guys. Um, which brings us to the Browns game. I would like everyone's thoughts on this game, what we think the key is going to be, and then your pick. The Ravens are currently favored going into Cleveland. They are favored by three points. Now, fair enough, they're three and one. They just came off a win in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, where they won pretty soundly. So I guess they have to be favored in this game. But it's going to be an interesting one. If the Browns want to contend, they're going to have to pull a game like this out at home in mm-hmm. the division. Absolutely. Uh, my take on this is, does the def- is the defense able to rebound from what we did last week? Because I think Joe Flacco's every bit is on, as can do every bit as much as Derek Carr can do. And he's showing some promise with some talented receivers finally. And I think we're going to get picked apart if the same defense shows up this week. And so that's going to be the difference in the game. If we can look like the defense from weeks one through three, I think we have a chance to win this game. I haven't picked against the Browns so far. I'm feeling good about the season. I'm sticking with the Browns.
0: Yeah, I'm also going to stick with the Browns, but I am concerned about our banged up secondary. I'm concerned about Terrence Mitchell not being there. I want Body Calhoun to play outside for the entire game and cover Michael Crabtree. Um, I I'm I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Browns, but I'm concerned about our secondary being able to cover and what Joe Flacco is going to be able to do. Um, but I'm excited about our offense and I think our offense is going to be able to put up points.
1: Matthew. I think the key to this game, we've, we've got the, the worst special teams in the league. I know we talk about Amos Jones on here all the time. Who? His name Who? is what? Amos Jones. What? Who? Amos Jones. There sorry. sorry there it is. Amos um, Jones. Amos Jones. Um, we have the 32nd ranked special teams unit in the league. And that just puts us in a hole. It doesn't. Oh no, ma- we keep we keep, like
3: strengthening the lead, buffering no, the the no, we're, the ranking of Thursday, and yeah. we're separating from the no, pack.
1: No, we are like so far established <laughs> as the worst <laughs> special teams unit in the league that it's not even funny. And it doesn't matter how good our offense plays. It doesn't matter how good our defense plays because our special teams unit is so awful. It puts us in a hole that we cannot overcome against teams that are good. Like the Ravens. So our special teams unit has to play better. And they have to play better every single week going forward, or else we're never gonna be able to consistently
0: win games. Josh Cribs for head coach of special teams.
1: Oh my gosh. I would
0: I would I mean do, do a lot of things here's the for thing. that to happen. Here's the thing. We're so far behind. Take a chance. Yeah. Dad always what, says what, it, it can't what, be worse. What, can, what
1: what do you have to lose? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, we we don't have a lot to lose there. Dad um, also
3: calls for a pick six at about every fourth yeah. defensive
1: <laughs> defensive snap. He calls and, when it. He, and when he gets it right, he never lets you he, <laughs> you never forget it. It's
0: amazing. I love um, it. It's one of my favorite qualities.
1: I I worry about this Ravens like their offense isn't flashy. But they're gonna dunk it off to Buck Allen. They're gonna run it with Alex Collins. Oh, they're gonna. Flacco they're, makes the smart decision. Yeah, they're gonna hit Michael Crabtree underneath. They're gonna throw it to um, John Brown over the top. Like
0: Justin Tucker's not gonna miss a kick. Oh,
1: Justin Tucker's not gonna miss a kick. It's just they're gonna. I think we're gonna lose this game. I, even though it's at home, and it kills me to say that, but I'm gonna take the Ravens.
0: All right. Gosh, you traitor. He's All just right. trying to make up ground. It does make sense. All right.
3: Well, you heard it. Matthew doesn't think the Browns are going to win on you Sunday. You heard it here first. It's true. <laughs> I hope
1: I'm wrong. <laughs> I do. I hope I'm wrong. I'll gladly take the L on that
0: one. <laughs> Me too. I, I want a happier L week next you. week. Good gracious. It's so very disappointing. You were
1: really angry. Last, Last night? He's still yeah, super angry. You're or still today. still super angry.
0: Yes.
3: You know what it is? You know what it is? Is I was excited about this game because I knew we had a really good chance to win, and I expected us to win this game. And I've worked my tail off all week and, like, I've been doing so many things because I, I just moved into a new house this past week. So I was getting a bunch of things ready. I was moving. It was, like, constantly going. And the three hours for the Browns game that turned into four hours – was like the one window that I had set aside to like enjoy something. And it was like the carrot at the end. It was like what I was striving towards. And then like my
0: heart just got ripped out. And that just made me extra angry. If there's one thing I've learned is don't put all of your hope in the browns. (laughs) (laughs) For like, you're only going to be disappointed. That's a recipe for disaster. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Um, be sure to uh, leave a comment on our podcast. Um, if you like what you hear, if you want us to talk about anything else, um, send us a message on Twitter. Um, that is at Sin of Our Fathers. Um, if you want to send us an email, if that's something you feel more comfortable with, you're not much into the digital age, then um, send us an email. Sin of Our Fathers at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great night. Go, Go Browns. Browns. <laughs> Mm-hmm.